Hey everyone, welcome to The Start. I'm your host, Patrick Johnson, and this week we're with a friend of mine, a super awesome dancer, and overall genuinely cool-ass person. Her name is Yoko Sakao Ohama. So I met Yoko through a group of friends. Yoko worked in a space called Studio Mates. And in that space, Yoko worked for a woman who, who owned and ran the space. Her name is Tina Roth Eisenberg, also known as Swiss Miss across various aspects of the internet. And Yoko worked with Tina on Tatley. But since Studio Mates was a co-working space, she also got to hang out with a bunch of other cool people uh, like our mutual friends, Johnny um, Hallman, Destroy Today, and his wife, Jen Masari, who is an illustrator. Both of them have been on the podcast previously. And just by virtue of knowing some of the same people, Yoko and I met. I first ran into Yoko, I think, when... Johnny and I and a bunch of other people would play basketball and Yoko would come out towards the end of the day or end of our basketball day uh, to come meet up with us and head back home or do whatever she was doing at the time with her boyfriend, Kevin, who she's still with. And Kevin's a super cool guy. He was actually in the background. Um, But yeah, so that's how I met Yoko. Um, And, you know, I always had an interest of having Yoko on the show because she's just such a, she's a really cool person. Uh, She's always got positive vibes and like this really nice, like good positive energy just floating around her. Um, the way that I phrase it and probably how this episode will be titled is Yoko's got like the right amount of chill. She's super cool. Um, and the right amount of chill is actually something I think that, uh, that theme or that idea came up a few times in this episode. Um, you know, she went to a school that was academically inclined and, and sort of the curriculum that sounds like was geared towards gifted or the idea of gifted students. Um, and while Yoko fell in line with that, she wasn't like, as like overly amplified about mathematics or anything like that. She had the right amount of chill, right? She liked school, but she also loved to dance. Um, And it sounds like she was super excited about that, but still the right amount of chill. She wasn't like overly aggressive or anything like that. And it sounds like Yoko was always a easygoing, go with the flow kind of person. Um, And that's how she sort of lives her life. Um, And then the other side of that is that she also – is very much aware when good opportunities come her way or uh, when an opportunity presents itself and when she can take advantage of it. All of these things became apparent and, you know, learning these things about Yoko when she comes and hang out and hangs out like at the apartment or whatever, it made so much more sense after talking to Yoko, like why she's always got this huge smile on her face and why she's just always positive and having a good time. So I was really excited to have her on the on the show today. And she's genuinely a really cool person. And she has some really like nifty stuff. Um, she designed a poster. And the poster is a huge poster for Pharrell. Um, and she actually got the, it sounds like she, he signed the poster. I don't know if they met and spoke or anything like that. But so like she's got these like cool little tidbits about and like little stories about herself that you'll hear throughout the podcast and stuff. Uh, but generally speaking, like I said, Yoko is a pretty dope ass person. She's got the perfect amount of chill. And just I'm, I'm really I'm pretty happy and excited about this episode. Uh, the last things I will say is if you can rate, review, or share this episode, I would appreciate it a lot because um, you guys are awesome. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter. The Start FM is the Twitter handle that you can at message or whatever, DM, whatever that this thing is now or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. So here is my episode with... Yoko Sakao Ohama. This is the start.
Hey, Yoko, welcome to the start. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Patrick. How is, I see, so for listeners, Yoko, every time I see Yoko, um, with the, I mean, there's been a few instances, but I never see Yoko alone. Like, I always see you with a group of friends uh-huh. or, or, with, or with Kevin, which is not a bad thing at all. Yeah. Uh, but for the listeners, uh, I asked Yoko earlier, I was like, where's Kevin? And she just turned her computer and he was on the couch. He's like, what do you want, man? <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's, he's hanging out. He's here. He's providing moral support from close by, but out of screen. <laughs> um, and also for the listeners, since you are listening and not seeing, Yoko's got a pretty awesome poster of Pharrell right behind her. I designed that poster. Did you really? I did. It um, was uh, so. That, oh, it's a UCLA. Okay, I see at the bottom mm-hmm. it says UCLA students only. So did he perform? Uh, he did not perform. This is an interesting thing. I was part of a student event group called Campus Events, and we put on concerts, films, and speakers. And we could get we couldn't get Pharrell as a concert, mm-hmm. but we were able to get him as a speaker. It's probably much, were, much less money, right? Yeah, I don't think we paid people is the thing because oh, wow. okay. we're, we were student run and yeah, had makes sense. budgets and whatever. And, uh, so I guess there were some like pretty hard rules about Pharrell not being allowed to perform while we were doing this event. So, so the event says something like Pharrell comes to talk and answer <laughs> your questions about stuff. <laughs> And then I designed the poster because I was in the advertising group and then he like came by and he signed it and I was just oh, like... Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are not keeping this for your archives. I'm taking this home. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, my, my one, I, I've never had a, 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 <clears throat> as close an encounter with Pharrell as you have, but I saw him when he was still like, with Kanye's Glow in the Dark tour. That mm-hmm. tour, when you think, if you, I don't know if you went or if you recall, but that tour had nerd opening yes i did see that i did go to that yeah so concert. it was nerd rihanna what? somebody else and kanye well and that, that a, was the tour yeah it was we, awesome we had um it was merd lupe fiasco that's who and it was kanye uh we didn't yeah. get rihanna that's yeah dope. so i got it was <laughs> it was nerd or nerd yeah um lupe then rihanna then kanye wow yeah all these like huge ticket names and at the time I think Pharrell was popular, but more so in like the hip hop community, not yeah. as like the Pharrell that he is today. Yeah, um, people totally. knew him from like lap dance and all that old like yeah. Bobby James, all or that, that good old stuff. That one single he did with Britney Spears. <laughs> I didn't even know he had a single with Britney Spears. Uh, he did like a remix of Boys with her. Maybe he oh, was geez. billed as the Neptunes in that one. Anyway, okay, so Yoko. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Anyways. For listeners, Yoko is a pretty dope person. She's also this. So this season has been comprised of a lot of people that I know with a handful of people that I don't know mixed in. And I, I partly felt that way because some of the friends that I do have that listen to the show, they're like, oh, man, can I be on the podcast? And I'm like, fuck, yeah, you can be on the podcast. And finally, I got those people on the podcast. So for listeners, Yoko is a friend of mine. But I, that's all I'm going to say. Yoko, you give yourself the proper introduction that you deserve. Sure. So what's up? Uh, my name is Yoko Sakao Ohama, and I'm a designer, a visual designer, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Would you say that you and Kevin both have the dancing abilities, or is it just Kevin? <laughs> yeah, okay. So um, I write an email newsletter. So both Kevin, my boyfriend, and I like to dance a lot. Kevin, I would say I am more, I t- I'm the one who like takes classes and 
uh, likes to learn choreography in a classroom environment and can groove at the club if I wanted to. But Kevin is just like all everything he does. It's like all him. He like grooves at the club, and I feel like he's he's better at that sort of spontaneous, just on the spot dancing. And I prefer to like learn a routine and then perform it. That makes um, sense. Yeah. So we both like dancing. I write a newsletter called, I used to write a newsletter called Why Aren't We Dancing? Um, it is because it is a newsletter about dance videos that I find online that I used to have a problem like watching them all the time. Like I would watch them until like <laughs> three in the morning, like alone in my room. And, I, and one day I was just like, this is really, this is not a great habit, but it could be productive. Let's make it into something productive. Let's write about it. And then then that justifies me staying up really late and watching these videos and staying online. Um, yeah, I just follow a ton of street dancers. Many of them are from the United States. Some of them are overseas, but they have all these YouTube channels. And there's like a huge community of dancers who just post their things online. They oh, have really? huge... Yeah, they, they'll, um, they'll either create a choreography and... Uh, perform it. They'll like produce it themselves. Sometimes the production is like really great. Sometimes it's pretty cheesy, but there's also dance studios that will record the classes that they teach and then put those online. And there's just like a whole community of people on the internet who will watch these videos and obsess over them, including myself. And then one day I was like, <laughs> it would be really nice if I could somehow justify all of the time that I spend watching these by actually explaining why this video or that video is really awesome and like why you should watch it. Yeah, Come and join me on the dark side of watching. Join me at 3am watching t- to watch these videos. Do you um, actively go to these dance classes? And so the first thing that comes to my mind is that one dance studio that has all the windows right in the front on uh, in the East Village. Yes. Like it's right on ho- off of Houston. <clears throat> yeah, that dance studio is called EXPG and I have never actually taken a class there but I did um, uh, w- uh, sort of sit in on a class that my friend taught. And, um, that's kind of a separate story. My friend, I met him last year. He's a guy that I actually followed on YouTube for a really long time until I got introduced to him through an old coworker, through my old coworker, Ng. And she was just like, Hey, I met this guy. Do you know him? I was just like, he is so famous. How do you know him? (laughs) And then like, I, we became friends and then I, I watched him teach a class. Uh, EXPG is great. It's like a really nice, a small studio with two rooms and it's like really clean. And I think just the the community there is awesome. The dance uh, studio that I go to. So I take dance class um, like two, three times a week. uh, And I take a, I take classes at a studio called Broadway dance center. That's in times square on like 45th street. And um, they, they teach more than just street dance. They teach, um, like ballet, they teach tap. They also have like vocal classes. I don't really know, like vocal training classes. Sure. They have yoga and all that stuff. But I, oh wow, I take, um, I take street jazz, which is like a, like a jazzier version of hip hop. And also occasionally I take a contemporary class. That's really dope. I yeah. don't take any classes. That's I'm fine. A, a you should ass. come. <laughs> I would totally do it. Um, I've been told I have a little bit of rhythm. But I think people were just paying me compliments. Oh yeah, well, hey, it's all it's all a matter of just nurturing and cultivating that skill, or getting really drunk and doing it anyways. Hey, that whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I do that too. So where did, have you always danced? Did you grow up dancing or is this a new, a new thing? I thought it was a new thing, but then I was thinking, I thought more about it and I was like, no, I've actually been dancing for a really long time. I took, uh, I took tap when I was, maybe I started taking it in kindergarten. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. And then I took it through maybe like fourth or fifth grade. In high school, I was one of those people who was in every cultural show just to be in the dances. Oh, that's cool. So I was in I was in Asian Cultural Society and I did the the sort of like Asian hip hop dance, but I also did like the Chinese ribbon dance. And then I was in South Asian Youth Alliance and we did, we did like a bhangra and then we I was also in the African American Culture Society and I was in like a hip-hop, R&B, soul, medley. That was oh, yeah, like this junior, was all in high senior. school? Yeah. I mean, this was over the course of three years or so. Wait, where did you go? What state did you go to high school? And I asked that because, like, <clears throat> I went to school in Florida. Florida is not known for its public education. Oh. But we, I don't know that we had that many societal clubs. Like, we had, like, your average run-of-the-mill high school clubs, right? Like, yearbook club and math club. And we had, like, Christian Athlete Association, FCCA or whatever. Whoa. And those are like the main ones that I remember. I don't know that we had any like legit like cultural clubs. Well, I went to – so I grew up – I was born and raised in New York City. As oh, wow. Okay. I actually went to a public school that – it's like a school for the gifted. Oh, yeah? I don't want to like – I don't want to downplay it because it is a good school, but it's also like kind of a famous school. So it's what school now I want to know you got to okay. toot your own horn. You okay? All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's called Hunter, um, Hunter college campus schools. It's an elementary school and a high school. And it's, it's affiliated with the community college, um, the city college of New York. Okay. Wait, what is it called? City university of New York. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> Yeah, you have to take a test to get in, and it's it's a huge ordeal. Well, you have taking... to take a test as an elementary student, even. Yes, I guess that makes sense. I guess you can. I guess you can still sort of see a student's uh, level of intelligence or their their uh, a, you know their promise. I guess from a test, even. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think about the fucking kids I was in school with, and they would we would I would have failed any test as a kindergartner. I honestly don't really remember what the test was, but. Um, I also imagine that it wasn't nearly as competitive at, back then as it is now. I feel gotcha. like some it'll there'll be news articles that come up in the Times every once in a while that are like parents prepare their three year olds for kindergarten entrance hunter hunter kindergarten entrance exam. And I was just like, oh my god, that is not what my life was like. But so I, I've I've heard about a school. I think it's called Riverdale. Yes, some I know a person who went to Hunter Elementary and then went to Riverdale afterward. Okay. Riverdale yeah. is like up in the Bronx or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and my girlfriend and I have a family friend and all, they have three children and they all go to yeah. Riverdale. Yeah. Um, which I guess is a, also a good school. I mean, I, you know, the, the, the education system up here is, it was very shocking to me, not in a bad way, but where I, you know, growing up in central Florida, you go to the school that you're zoned for. Yeah. Um, and then you have to get an exemption to go to any other school. Um, and elementary wise, it was either, you know, when you think about, yeah, it, nobody really went to, uh, uh, out of zone schools until high school. And most of the time they did it for sports or for a slight academic, um, push, but oftentimes it was just like, you either go to the public school that you're zoned for, or you go to private school. And most kids did not like the only people who went to private school were, were kids whose parents wanted them to go to a religious private school. Cause that's 
you didn't private school wasn't necessarily it was a better education but it was they weren't built around better education it was built around just mostly like this is a church's private school this is another church's private school etc yeah there's definitely zoning if i'm not mistaken in the city also but they're just so there is enough charter schools and private schools and these weird public elementary school uh public high schools the one one mm-hmm. of the ones that i went to that i think but not nearly enough, apparently, because the, com- the competition is still so high. It's just so in- insane. Like fourth graders taking, going to after school classes to prepare for the test to get into Hunter in the seventh grade. And it's just, and it's just, you, it's not my world that I know. Did you have to do that kind of stuff too? Or because you were already in an elementary school, you were sort of fine. You could so, keep going. When I was in sixth grade, I was required to take the high school entrance exam, but I was not required to pass it. I think, I think I just needed to show up and take the test. And then I was like elevated in to high school. Uh, But I think they've changed that since then. I think you actually need to do well on the test. I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, I I like sailed my way through that. Were you very, so I'm asking this because I've known you for only like a year or two now. And you, you seem like a pretty chilled layback person. You don't seem like the kind of person that would harp over like schooling stuff. Is that that an accurate or inaccurate statement? I would say it is, it is accurate. I do consider myself more chill than I used to be. I I, I didn't have much chill when I was in high school. I think I was kind of, I was not a great student and stressed out about it. And, um, when you go to a gifted high school, everyone expects you to go to a really good college. And I was, I just Uh, like did not love that. I, I was kind of like swept along in the in the peer pressure. Um, mm-hmm. But then I went to California for school for, for uh, UCLA. It's a gifted school. But was it like a magnet school? Was it gifted for one particular thing? Uh, it was, it was not a particular subject, although a lot of people who did end up going to Hunter, uh, it was like very liberal artsy. Okay. Um, we did have a rival school called Stuyvesant, which was a similar public um public magnet type school that you had to take an entrance exam to get into. And that school okay. was better known for its science and s- STEM education. Sure. Um, and Hunter, where we were like the liberal arts kids who like studied English or went into finance. <laughs> so basically everything else. Yeah, I guess so. But I wasn't okay. one of those people. <laughs> so then what did you, what did you go to UCLA for and what made you pick UCLA? Um, I picked UCLA because um, I didn't have many other options. Uh, okay. I applied to a bunch of schools. I like overreached. Uh, I applied to schools that I wasn't sure that I could get into. And then I didn't, but that, that's, those are all the schools I applied to. That's just, that just happens. And I'm not mad about it anymore, but, um, I ended up going to UCLA, um, as a Spanish linguistics major because in high school, I was actually really good at Spanish, but it's high school Spanish. So there's, you know, whatever. And, and I went to UCLA for Spanish linguistics. And then, um, I was taking a lot of linguistics classes. I was taking and really loving it. Linguistics is actually very fascinating to me. And then, mm-hmm. and then I found out about the design program, maybe, uh, the beginning of my second year or the end of my first year. And then I applied to transfer into the design program at the end of my second year and got in. So I switched from Spanish linguistics to design media arts and also uh, kept the linguistics side of my Spanish linguistics major. So I ended yeah. up double majoring 
were you had had you always had an interest in design or was this like a newfound interest once you got to UCLA? I was always interested in drawing and some art type stuff. I was in I loved anime when I was growing up. I like okay. read and I like read manga. I watched anime. I had and, a bunch of friends that were into anime and they're yeah. like, yeah, manga. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, like, it's right, Japanese comic books. Okay. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, we were we were a nerdy bunch um, <laughs> in high school. And then, but I never really, so when I was growing up and like really into anime, really into drawing and manga mm-hmm. and stuff, I thought that a career trajectory for someone like me would be like I would become a person who draws like the cells in animation or because or a person who becomes like a comic book author or a person Mm -hmm. who becomes a voice actor. Like for some reason, I thought that that was a possibility for me. Not true. Um, (laughs) And then then when I went into the design program, I realized that there are a lot more like practical applications to having an aesthetic mind or an aesthetic uh, sensibility. When you you say practical, you mean not just uh, anime artists yeah or not okay. just like fine art i think gotcha. I, in high school we had an art class but that was fine art it was not applied art or commercial yeah. art i think that's the case with a lot of stuff right um, yeah. i've actually heard through a few other people that um through other people on this podcast that they school they go to school for a ba in fine art yeah or a, a bachelor's of arts in arts or bfa whatever the heck it's called um and they go there for painting or sculpting or something that's like widespread known right? yeah yeah and then and then they do they they sort of discover the commercial application of art so whether it's uh, like posters for their favorite bands or like print design or anything like that and yeah. it se- almost seems like it's not a hidden gem but like it's adults only conversations yeah you know I mean? it's it is it's so true that um for some reason it never occurred to me until i started learning about until i actually started going to school for it is that everything that you look at has pretty much anything that you buy has gone through a designer of some kind, whether it's a person, whether the designer is bad or good or the product is bad or good. Like someone goes through the process of making sure it looks the way it does. And that, you know, it's not just, not just like graphic design, but just like product design or industrial design. Like that's not really something that I know much about, but it's just, there was a point when I was in design school, I was just like, oh, this is a job. People get paid to do this because you don't just come up with the idea for, I don't know, a computer and then it just becomes a computer. Like someone has to make it look Mm -hmm. a certain way, like make it look like it's usable, make it look nice if it's an Apple computer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Was there... So you said that you did linguistics and design. Yeah. So double major. Yeah. Um, did you at any point have uh, more of a preference towards one or the other throughout once you made that decision? And I ask because you're on the show today because you're a designer, not because you're in linguistics. Yeah. Well, if you want to, I think if you want to work in the field of linguistics, you would at least need a master's degree. That's my that's my understanding. Gotcha. I was able to get by with just like my minimum requirements for graduating Mm -hmm. in linguistics. But if I were to be straight up linguistics with some sort of a specialization in anything, I would probably be also taking anthropology classes, um, psychology classes. I think there were some philosophy classes that talk about like logic classes were in the philosophy department at UCLA. Um, 
there's like computer science, there's like a computer science um, specialization that UCLA offered. Uh, but I didn't do any of that stuff. I just mostly learned uh, linguistics. It was kind of for fun. Uh, so yeah. to answer your question, I was I was in linguistics mostly because um, I had a feeling that my parents would not be super stoked to learn that I would be getting only like a bachelor's from an art department. Yeah. So was there a lot of <laughs> was there a lot of academic pressure from your parents? Not really. I, I I actually my parents are pretty relaxed about that stuff, but I think my I think my dad had had an impression that I would eventually go to like Harvard Med. And it's <laughs> just know, like I think that's the the <laughs> hopes for anyone's parents. Yeah, they just want us to be doctors, lawyers, or in finance because those are three pretty stable industries that pay pretty well. Yeah, but they didn't know about tech, which is great because it's a pretty well. Right now, I don't know how stable of an industry it is, but it does pay pretty well. Um, yeah. But I think my dad recently just sort of like let go of the fact that I will not be a doctor. <laughs> I interviewed a friend recently um, for the show. She comes from a Chinese background, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was sort of explained to me that like, I guess in, in her culture and where she was raised, it was, I mean, she was raised in Texas. So maybe not that much different than anybody else, but her parents really much were involved in her education and wanted her to do well and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's indicative of her culture or background, but yeah, just how they were. And then uh, I think when she was young, she won a design contest and the reward was, or the award was $5,000. And that's when her mom was like, okay, okay. Be some, uh, some, <laughs> some realness in this design stuff. And that's when her mom was like, cool with it. <laughs> yeah. I think there definitely is a, uh, perception of Asian parents being really particular yeah, and very, very involved in the education of their kids. Um, I mean, people come up with the term tiger mom, right? Like, yeah. kind of, and it has like a, a particular sort of image around it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's definitely, a a a perception that exists because it, because it is true. Uh, I don't, I, I see that. And I saw that in some of my Asian American classmates at, in high school, but my parents just were not really like that. They're kind of hippies in a lot of ways. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's good. I mean, in in my opinion, I think you turned out great. Thanks. I, I, thanks parents. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. So just to recap briefly, you danced a lot as a kid. And yes. it sounds like you you did things based on your ability to dance in those things. Um, and then you did linguistics a little bit. And then you got to the design stuff. Um, and you were – so hold on. Here's a question about UCLA. I heard once – and Kate actually might have been the one who told me this. But I think um, UCLA gets the most applicants than any other university in the country or world. Is that or right? I think somebody once told me that there's literally like a UCLA store in Europe. Just obscurely. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah. I don't know that that's accurate. Uh, I'm going to open up the Google machine. Sure. I wouldn't be surprised just because I think UCLA is a a well-known school just from its sports heyday. It's not really a great sports school anymore. I mean, there's some great people who come out of UCLA, but, and I guess it's also known as the, yeah, I know in California, everyone knows what UCLA is. But growing up in New York, people were like, where are you going again? Are you going to like Stanford? And I'm like, no, no, they're like, <laughs> USC? One of the other ones. they don't even know what USC is. And I'm like, no, it's like another school. It's in LA. It's called UCLA. I was told it's famous, <laughs> but apparently you don't know about it. 
Yeah. That's what it's like. <laughs> it's only it's only famous among the cool kids, so clearly you're not one True. of them. True. I think I think California schools in general, like the UC system is supposed to be really, really good. Like maybe yeah. one of the best in the nation, but just there's so many private schools on the east there's so many colleges on the east coast that are that are really good that i think most people don't really see past past like the atlantic seaboard and like once you go into once you start going west people are like what Stanford? yeah and even then it's only I'm, I'm from from where i grew up the only schools that people knew uh that were not in the east coast were big sports schools so whether yeah. it was basketball or football like that kind of stuff um otherwise i never would have heard of usc or UCLA. I think the first time I heard anything about UCLA, I mean, I think I knew, I might not have known UCLA existed, but um, uh, a fellow classmate, her father mm-hmm. was the starting point guard for UCLA's basketball team when they won four in a row. Whoa. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Which, which is weird that they ended up in Central Florida. But uh, <laughs> so he came and he spoke to our football team just about like, you know, a leadership, like, applicable sports lessons that kind of stuff yeah um but yeah so that's that's that was the first that i heard about ucla and then yeah that was i was gonna tell you a story about there's a dude his name is mr taylor he worked in the library but he played with doug flutie at boston college and like i don't know if you know college football but there's a legendary hail mary play oh um he was a part of that play he was not the person who caught the ball but he was like, yeah, I was in that play. And he like, showed me. He's like, yeah, that's me right there. Obscurities. <laughs> See, that's me. See, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those are random obscurities. Uh, anyways, going back to you. So you're at UCLA. Um, what, what, do, what do you think were your thoughts on how you, go, you were going to apply a design education? Um, and I say that because I, I'm under the impression that you weren't like, oh, I'm going to go be a UI designer. No. Or I'm going to be a product <laughs> designer. Um. It was, it was strange. I, so I grew up in an environment just to go back a little bit. I grew up in elementary school and in high school. I was, to me, college was just the next thing you do after high school and not necessarily the place where you learn the thing that will eventually pay you money. Like it wasn't a vocational next step. Um, so when I went to UCLA, which is like a big uni- a research university at the end, at the end of the day, it's a big research university, um, and studied design, even though I knew that design was, was a, an interest in my mind, I didn't, the classes that I took were incredibly theoretical, not that, not that much practical making in the classes compared to like a nearby art school, like art center, art center students were just sketching cars like and then making car designs and whatever and we're just like what does it mean to have this color and this color it was just like and then it just wasn't as practical of an education um so I didn't really have a plan is the short is a short answer I just kind of like graduated thinking well I have a certain set of skills I think yeah. And I guess I'll just start designing posters. Like there are some people who realized that that is that there are real world applications. Um, like I said earlier, to a design background, but I don't think I quite understood it until I was actually in the field trying to find work. Um, and yeah, just like I, I had to be 
I had to like go into the real world to sort of figure that out. I didn't really feel like I was prepared to 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 face the the shitty economic landscape like yeah. once I graduated. I, I think that's sort of wait. How old are you, Yoko? I'm thirty. Okay, so you. It sounds like we're leaving college around the time that I came in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 27, so I'm assuming that we were both on a very linear path and are only three years apart in, acad- mm-hmm. in, in terms of academics. Yeah. Um, and I would say, so I went to school for public relations. So yeah. we had a, we had a mass commu- college of mass communication. They had marketing. Uh, no, marketing was part of a business college, but we had advertising and PR and like journalism. Um, so I did that, and I, I sort of feel the same way in that they taught us um, – a bunch of definitions and the process of PR, or I would argue and say, or if I were to associate it to yours, maybe the process of design and, and critiques and how to talk about color, layout, composition, you know, similar things in PR. And if I'm misspeaking on your behalf, please tell me to shut up. Um, but they didn't really t- talk about the, they briefly talked about the application of public relations in the real world, which for the most part was based off of our professor's um, experience, which was stunted, right? It was, it stopped at some point because then they went into academia full time. Right. So when my professors were there, like we had one guy who was a big shot. He was like a VP communications at like bank of America, which I guess was pretty high. And, but he was the end all be all. So when you were in his class, his sort of, uh, real world application for what you're learning is you're going to go get a job at a, at, at a corporate company in the communications department. It wasn't it, at no point did it talk about any other aspects, and I feel like that's often the case with colleges is that they don't actually talk about the real world application. They're like, "You're going to go get a job," but they're not like, "You can get a job." In your case, again, if I'm misspeaking, tell me. They're not going to be like, "You could get a job at, at like Fairway Corporate and make grocery flyers or grocery flyer templates." You yeah. might get a job at like a cool tech company, especially you know, given uh, UCLA's proximity versus maybe a school in Nebraska, right? Maybe you can get a job in design, Silicon Valley, all this kind of stuff. Um, and I don't think, I, generally speaking, I don't think colleges do that great of a job preparing us for the real landscape. But I don't know that it's their fault because you're talking about a bunch of professors who teach full time and they're not in the real world landscape as much as they used to be. Sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um... Also, to some extent, like you said, the professors that we learn from in the design department at UCLA, I, I think it's not uncommon for especially art school professors to have like a separate art type thing going on in addition oh, to yeah. their teaching. Yeah, but a lot of the stuff was just like they're an actual artist. They're like a fine artist. Um, oh, okay. and, there was, and they do this like on the side kind of thing. Yeah, but the, the way that they would translate a student's, you know, academic background into something that they can actually make money off of one day or like something that would translate into a job. There weren't that many professors that I knew of who were doing anything like working at a, working on a design team at a tech company or being the director of design at like a, a, an agency of some, there wasn't really anyone at, UCLA anyway, who was like that. With some exceptions, there was one guy who I didn't really, I didn't get to take many classes with him. It was this, it was this guy named Chandler McWilliams, who I later found out he works at, worked at the Barbarian Group. Um, And I was just like, oh, I've, I've heard of this, this, my professors used to teach there. He, he taught like a intro to web 
That was like, oh, cool. that was probably the most practical thing I learned was just like, uh, like a intro to web class. And by then I had actually already known a little bit of front end development. So I was just like, this is, this is an easy A. Yeah. <laughs> this is fine. And then, oh my God. And then in the second, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to tangent for a little bit. I remember this was, it must've been a third year. So it was like 2007 or 2008. And in the second half of our, in this, in the second half of our web class, we were like, okay, so we know the basics of HTML and CSS. Like next, for our next unit, you have the option to learn Ajax or Flash. And I was just like, Ajax, Ajax, Ajax. And everyone else was like, let's learn Flash. And I'm like, no, Flash is dead. It's not the future. (laughs) Ajax is the future. And then we ended up learning Flash and it was like, all right. (laughs) And I was just like, this is not. Yoko the prophet no, in design I, class I don't know telling what everybody doing. what the... Well, I mean, you're right though, right? <laughs> Flash is dead for some part. I mean, yeah, there's some applications to it, but it's not... It's not the, the, the stuff that we learned in that class was just like Flash animation. Yeah. And it's like really not that applicable anymore. Yeah. You, you know, we, you mentioned... Uh, when we were talking about like job preparedness and job readiness kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, or real world preparedness and readiness. The first thing that sort of pops in my mind, uh, a couple of seasons back, we talked with Jen Mazzari, yeah. uh, Johnny, Johnny's wife. And um, I remember her her and Johnny both went to MICA in Baltimore, and it's an art school. Not a liberal – like you and I both went to like basic liberal art schools, although yours is substantially better than the school I went to. Um, and what's interesting is when Jen went to school, they were basically like – you. they were pre- almost preparing her for a world of freelance. Yeah. Um, which was probably a bit more realistic given yes. the type of school she went to and the type of stuff they were learning, right? Cause they're not like, you're going to go work at target and you're going to make paintings at target yeah. and they're going to get, you know what I mean? Um, so it's interesting. I feel like probably, uh, specialty schools probably do a much better job yeah. at, uh, readiness for life than liberal arts college. Then again, that sort of comes with the nature of them, which is a liberal arts college touches a lot of topics. Yeah. Specialty schools don't. Yeah, definitely. Um, to make another comparison to Art Center, which is uh, which is like a really good art school in Pasadena, California. Um, one of my friends went there, and he was basically like, "Yeah, it, it sounded similar to Micah. So the professors there are preparing their students to basically take what they've learned in class and then just go out there in the world and get paid to do the same thing." And we just yeah. didn't really have that at UCLA. All of our classes were very were more theory-based rather than application-based. And I actually enjoyed it a lot because I am a person who spends way too much time thinking about things before actually doing them. So That's I did, not a bad thing, though. I guess so. Um, I did well in at UCLA, but I feel like some people who might have gone to into the design program at UCLA thinking that they're going to get a design education were like, why am I writing papers? Why am I reading books? Why am I... Um, yeah. Why are we talking about things rather than making them. I can see how someone who has different expectations would be less prepared or not as well, well would find the academic environment of UCLA to be a little bit less what they expected out of a sure. design education. It works for me. I, I love just thinking about stuff rather than doing them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. So then, all right, so let's fast forward a little bit. Sure. So, you had this design knowledge. You didn't have much preparation um, for whatever reason. So how'd you how'd you end up finding a job 
Um, so I had done a couple, my, I actually had a really interesting experience, um, the year before the summer, the summer before my fifth year, uh, I had one of my graduate school teaching assistants, his name is Casey. He had just come back from an internship making, uh, information graphics for the New York times. And he did a short presentation on it with a with maybe a group of just of my classmates, maybe like 20, 30 people. And I was just so impressed with the way that he had taken just drawings, basically, and was conveying stories from them. Mm-hmm. which is an information graphic, right? Basically it, it wasn't like a drawing as in like an illustration, but it was like graphs and like lines. And he had taken something that you can make an illustrator. And then not only had he, uh, used it to help tell a story, but he also had that, had that, uh, graphic like published in the New York times. And I was just like, Casey, you need to tell me, I would love to do this internship what can I do to get this internship? And Casey was like, oh, let me just, let me just call my boss, Steve Duenas, who was like the head of the graphics department. And I was just like, what? And then I got the internship. What? And that was insane. It was kind of like very luckily just thrown into an internship type environment. That was probably the closest I had ever gotten to taking my knowledge and applying it to a real job. And it was at the New York Times. It was like yeah, a little crazy. And really fun. Um, that was when I really learned that there was there is an application that is real. It's not just like making band posters. It's like people read the newspaper. Yep. No one really thinks of the New York Times as like a. I mean, maybe now, because at least for me, I think the New York Times is a pretty has like a good design sensibility. But like, no one yep. thinks of design when they think of the New York Times. But there, there are it's jobs true. for people. Who yeah, have I that think, sensibility, who and then they can take that to a place like the, the Times, and then that 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 was just like really awesome, a crazy opportunity that I was able to uh, have thanks to my TA Casey um, and maybe some of my own skills. <laughs> but yeah, it was that was the first time I was like, okay, this is something I can really do. Um, after that, that was just an internship, and the how long was that internship? Three months. It was a summer okay. internship, and I okay. and I knew that there was not much of they weren't hiring afterward. And then um, after I graduated, I I had a friend who had started a company. Um, it was basically a company that consulted with student groups in colleges and helped them design and print T-shirts. It was like a T-shirt okay. printing company. So I worked with them for like maybe a little over a year. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, make It was just like contract basis. And I would uh, design like t-shirts for sororities. They'd be like, oh, we want it to say, we want you to use this font, but can you actually have it say like alpha, phi, omega? And I'm like, there are no, this font doesn't have these Greek, Greek letters, letters in them. Yeah. So I had to make them. Just That's like pretty cool. combining the P and the yeah. O and then like taking parts of the U and like turning it upside down. Oh my God. Um, so I did that for like a year. Okay. And then um, at the time I was getting into Twitter. 
following people on Twitter, following mm-hmm. people like Swiss Miss, uh, Tina, Tina yeah. with Eisenberg. And then one day she had tweeted, I, at the time I was getting really tired of doing this like graphic design t-shirt stuff. I was just like, this is not getting me anywhere. I'm like at home every day working and I'm getting cabin fever, not feeling great about this. But if I don't do anything about it, I'm not going to do anything else. So I like actually put in a two week notice with like my t-shirt company, even though I'm on a contract basis. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, I can do this for a couple more weeks, but after that I'm done. And then after they said, okay. And then I think like two days after I had t- notified my client, mm-hmm. Tina tweeted like, I need a design intern. Can you, can someone come, can you like send me your resumes? Like, can you apply at this? And I was just like, Oh my God, I need to do this. And then I like sent her really (laughs) like, you could tell how breathless I was from the email subject. I'm too embarrassed. I like have it saved on my computer, but I'm too embarrassed to repeat it. It's basically me just being like, Oh my God, I love your stuff. Please let me work for you. Here's my resume. Well, (laughs) (laughs) and she was like, Hey, you have, Hey, you have some stuff that looks pretty good. You want to come in for an interview tomorrow? And I was like, yes. And then I got, oh, cause you were back in New York. Yeah. I was okay. in New York. I moved, I had moved back to New York by then. And, um, yep. Got a intern. I was a, not an intern. I was like Tina's, I guess I was a des- like a design intern in the beginning. It was mm-hmm. before Tina had, before Tatley had, started to become a company creative mornings already existed, but um, was she still doing client work at that point? She was transitioning out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, There were some of the things that I helped her with were sort of client related, but um, for the most part, it was, it was like maybe less than a month before we were like, let's start working on this thing called Tatley. Mm -hmm. I remember when we were thinking, I think there was a, so Tina was working with another man named Rusty Meadows, who was also around for like the beginnings of the company. And they were talking about what to name Tatley. And I was just like, I wasn't involved in the conversation, but I was just like, oh, Tatley sounds nice. Hmm, How much would I charge for two tattoos? Blah, 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 blah. What if it's like really well designed? And I remember having those conversations and like asking my friends, like, what would you think is a good price point for this? And then and then now Tatley is just like a real thing. Yeah, it's so I almost crazy. got a temporary tattoo yesterday because my friend came into town. Oh. I, I live I live right next near. I mean, you've been to my apartment. It's right by. Oh yeah, it's uh, super close by. Studio. Yeah, by the parlor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we went in there, and she, my friend, she's she uh, she's staying in New York, but she came up. She's up in New York for a couple of months, but she came up from Florida. She's like, wait, is this a? She's like, is this a tattoo parlor? Like, no, it's all temporary. It's all fake. She's like, oh my God, they have like real tattoo parlor chairs. This is so cool. Yeah. It's that parlor is really awesome. Um, yeah. And then I, I feel like I wouldn't have gotten that internship if I, if I hadn't said that I was done doing freelance to my other client, but yeah. it was super lucky still. <laughs> it was just like really lucky. Um, that I was able to even like see that tweet come from Tina and then I applied yeah, and then I got in it. A, yeah. In a huge ether of Twitter, you know, millions of users to see one tweet that sort of changes your trajectory for things. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Because I basically saw that tweet and sent it an email within like a half an hour. So oh, it wow. was just like, so I think when I met you, 
you were still working at Tatley or with Tina? I don't know if you were working at Tatley. The the point of what I'm getting at is uh, you were an intern, but then you stayed. So how did how did that happen? When I had first started with Tina, I was helping just general design stuff with Tatley and also a little bit with Creative Mornings. Um, eventually, I would get Tatley would become a big enough of a company, and Creative Mornings would become a big enough of a company that like I had to pick one or I got folded into the Tatley. Gotcha. Uh, I got folded into Tatley basically. Um, and I, with, with Tina's guidance and her direction, like built out the brand of Tatley. Okay. So Tina had the logo and she had a website design, but it also, we also, since we sell a physical product, like everything that, comes out of the company needs to look a certain way, needs to follow the brand aesthetic of Tatley. So the back of the tattoos, any sort of catalog that comes out that we would use to sell um, Tatley's wholesale, if we do a brochure, all of those things just to make it follow the same brand aesthetic as Tatley. Like that was my job. Um, And was that, and um, and I'm only asking because I know Tatley is a physical printed good. I say printed. I don't know how it actually comes to be. Um, but were you also doing web-based stuff as well? Yeah. So we we totally worked with Oak on a lot of the very heavy lifting um, when it comes to website design and like sort of the back-end things that I don't quite understand. But um, as far as just keeping the online shop up to date and making small changes here and there, like I did that too. Gotcha. So it's really cool. It was really awesome. There was a point when um, Tina was saying something about changing this little thing on the website. And I was just like, oh, I can do that. And she's like, what? You know, you know, code too. And I'm like, yeah, enough. And she was, I don't know. She was really surprised by that. I think at the time it was more rare for someone yeah. to, to have both skills. I would not say that I could be, I'm not commercially available as a programmer, but I, I sure. knew enough to like help out. Yeah. Enough um, to be dangerous. Yeah. Enough to be dangerous. Watch out. Watch out y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and how long did you stay at, uh, with Tina Tatley, Swiss Miss, et cetera? Um, I stayed at Tatley for about three and a half years. Um, it was so fun. And I, I was, it was so crazy to just like watch Tatley grow as a company. Um, and there was a point that I was hitting like a, like a, an enrichment ceiling from like a learning standpoint. Mm-hmm. I was, I was start. I was the only designer for a really long time. And then we hired our friend Kate um, yep. and we worked together and that was really awesome. But I was starting to yearn for a, like a working environment that had more designers. Sure. Makes uh, sense. I've been there too. Yeah. Um, my last job, I was the only developer and it was perfectly fine. Hours were great. Benefits were great, but I didn't have any, in in my instance, I didn't have any senior developers to learn from, yeah. um, to really have guidance from. You had that from Tina, but um, at the same time, I imagine that she is probably in 17 directions at once because she's doing so many things. Yeah. Tina, when, when she was available, she was super helpful in that regard, but like, I didn't expect her to, like, it was it was, a, I knew it was a lot to ask for me to yeah. be like, 
hey, Tina, like, let's meet every day to, like, talk about this and blah, blah, blah. Like, that wasn't just, it was just not a realistic possibility. Sure. Um, so, and then Tina was super understanding when I talked to her about it. And she was like, yes, let's, let's, like, make sure that you land correct when you, when you leave the company. And then um, I think I, I gave a three-month notice and, like, slowly closed the gaps that I would have left if I had just sort of disappeared from Tally. Yeah. made sure that <laughs> that the company wouldn't like the design wouldn't like crumble uh, you know i've heard i've heard the three month month notice a lot lately and i feel like i wonder if that's going to become a thing i i think it, it makes <laughs> much more i think it makes much more sense than two weeks because you can't get shit done in two weeks not not to the level in which we are entrenched in those things especially in the in the sort of work environments that we're in like if you're in a startup and you're the if you're one of two designers, you know, and then you suddenly leave and you suddenly have half the amount of manpower to get things done, then of course it makes sense to like take more than two weeks to get all of that squared off. Um, yeah. uh, I still like, I have my, my best friends from high school and some of my other friends from college who are not designers and who don't work in tech and who are not in like a startup environment. They're just like three months. Are you insane? Aren't you, weren't you afraid that she was just going to like fire you? And I'm like, no, that's just not how it works with, with people like Tina or like with startups. It's just like, you need that time. But I I would say, um, if your company becomes bigger and partially, I also decided to go to a company that had more people on the design team. So if I were to leave the company suddenly, like it wouldn't be that much of a strain. So I can see how at a bigger company, two weeks is fine. Yeah, but it's probably it's still, you know, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think scale does some have something to do with it. I had a friend of mine, he worked at a company, a, a very large company that did SEO, mm-hmm. um, SEO and ad buying and that kind of stuff. And because their, their information was incredibly sensitive, yeah, like their, their industry knowledge plus their client knowledge, um, you told them the day you were quitting. You're like, hey, today's my last day. Well, and and it was it wasn't it wasn't like skin off of anyone's back or anything like that because it just became uh, very commonplace. Because what what would have happened otherwise is that the amount of sensitivity in the information and technology is that if you gave them a two weeks, they'd be like, you know what? How about let today be your last day? We'll pay you out for two weeks. But that sounds was, nice. <laughs> yeah, right. And it, it was more for security. Yeah, of the company's well being. Um, and that's totally fine, right? I, I can imagine that if you work in like really high stakes finance that they probably have some kind of security protocol to follow, et cetera. Right. I don't know. But what I find more interesting is um, I think uh, purpose and people are becoming more uh, poignant topics in, in the work industry, regardless of what you do, right? The idea to value the people that you work with and the people that you hire, et cetera, um, that I, I'd be interested to see if for instance, and in, in maybe not as high high security environments, but a regular corporate company, you're like, hey, I want to give you guys two months notice only because like, I want to make sure that I can help you guys hire and transition and train the next person. That way you're not sort of stuck, right? Because right. I think um, this is slightly different, but someone always told me that like, you often don't leave jobs, you leave managers. And, and, in, and in your instance, that is not the case. And I don't think that's always the case. I think in in volatile environments, that is the case. Um, but you know, if you're leaving on good terms, and but I said that to get to this point, which is if you're leaving on good terms, that you have every intentions of helping the company. So you just are moving on. 
uh, if you're living on bad terms, you're like, fuck off. <laughs> and then maybe you're like, yeah, two weeks is fine, whatever. But in the, in the circumstances in which you appreciate the company, the company appreciates you, you're probably going to leave on good terms. And I don't think anything's wrong. If I left the company I'm at now, tomorrow, well, if I gave them a notice tomorrow, I'd give them like a three-month notice, at least a month notice, just so they could, because I want to help them transition. Yeah. And I think that's indicative of a few things. Like I said, I think people are becoming more, um, people are becoming more valued at their companies. But then I also think that there is a, um, a type of person that is becoming more common, which is someone who cares. Yeah, I think I have a, there are a couple things working in my mind that would, that makes me feel responsible for um, sort of making sure that both I and the company land safely once the part happens. I have a, I have a pretty huge guilty conscience, so I just can't, I can't just be like, peace, I'm out. Uh, like, fuck you. Like, even if I, even if I didn't enjoy working at a company, I would still probably want to stay in the good graces of that company. Just like, it's just like a, almost selfish. Like I don't want to burn any bridges, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fair. You know, uh, I, I, I would definitely be interested to get people's opinion on the idea of burning bridges. I, I, I know I'm a bit more ruthless in my opinion, which is, um, if the company doesn't care about me, then you probably still shouldn't burn bridges. But if you did, it's, <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. Um, I mean, I, I, I speak relatively freely about this. The place I was at prior to my current employer could have given a shit less if I left. Um, it also, it was not a, a, a tech forward company. I was the only developer and I was sort of seen as like, Oh, the the website, the developer guy, it was all secondary to some of the other stuff that they were doing. And that's part of the nature of the business. The business was a a trade show. Um, and that was an in-person that was brick and mortar, hard goods kind of stuff. So the web was secondary realistically to the business. Um, and there, I, I don't think I burned bridges, but leaving there, I wasn't like concerned with their well-being because I also knew that they had a parent company who would support their web needs um, when I left because they were, I think they realized that uh, when I got there, I was also very, um, very straightforward um, in telling them that they basically don't need a web developer. I was like, the stuff you guys are having me do, you could just buy a Squarespace page <laughs> and just do that. I was like, you don't need someone like me. You don't have, I was like, unless you guys are, I got to the point where I was like, unless you guys are trying to take payments online um, in your own custom, with your own custom software, you don't need a developer. Right. You need a Squarespace. Um, but needless to say, yes, I think what you did there, um, if you're ser- searching for my approval, I think you have it because I think that's a really good I don't know. It, it shows a bit about your personality um, and your integrity as a person to give them a good amount of notice and still sort of provide them some love and care, you know? Sure. I, I, I don't think I'd be able to, I, this is like a guilty conscience sort of a thing, but I, I would not be able to live with myself if I felt like I had done something to uh, like mar a relationship. It's also because I've, I've been really lucky and I haven't, like interacted with that many people that I feel like I'm just be like, well, I would never want you in my life again. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been pretty, I've been pretty fortunate to just be around really nice, dope people that I, that I'd be like, Oh, well, even if this thing doesn't work out between us, like, I don't want it to be, I don't want you to like crash and burn. And I'm not yeah. going to like be at the sidelines cheering. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think uh, for the for the for the groups of our friends that do cross, um, it's very clear that you know. Let's say Johnny was like, "Hey, Yoko, I need some design help. Are you available?" And you were like, "You know, this actually isn't like the kind of stuff I want to be doing." Yeah. Neither one of you would take that as an insult to the other. Yeah. Johnny would be like, "Oh no, that's cool. I get it. You're still coming over this weekend." Blah, blah, blah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I think it's. Uh, like I said, the group of friends that do crossover, everyone's very like kind-hearted and and understand that we all have valuable skills. And if it's if we can work together, we'll do it. But if we can't, it's all good. We can still get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that we understand that like if none of us are trying to waste anyone's time either. At least that's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. Like if we have skills that are really compatible and in a project then of course we'll work together but if not i'm not going to be like oh yeah let's totally do this and like not be yeah. not be prepared like to do the businessy yeah. nonsense no, yeah, no i think i think we're we're all good in the sense that we can just be like yeah you know i don't think i would be the best person for this like it would be a waste of both of our times for like, yeah. us to be doing this together like you should find you should go ask yeah. blah 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 and that's oftentimes substantially more helpful I had um totally I had, I had a project come across my plate recently um where I was actually like did you reach out to Johnny cuz it was like a scrolly kind of site um and I, Johnny is not the scrolly king but I the the work that I've seen that he's done for some companies involves like parallaxy intricate scrolling so I was like you might want to reach out to Johnny and I say that because I could technically do this like technically I could make this happen but Johnny's probably way better at it than I am. Um, so it's like, I don't know. I think our group, uh, the group of friends that, that, that we do intertwine with, I think um, we're all pretty, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're not selfish, I guess. It's like, nah, Yoko's way better at this than I am. Just go talk to her. But it's also uh, just like, uh, yeah, I can do this, but I probably won't because I'm not as good at it. I just won't enjoy doing it as much. So maybe yeah, you should ask someone too. else. Everyone, every. <laughs> Everyone is really honest. Yeah. That's there's there's no bullshit in that regard. Like you can just sort of no. be like, no, this is not this is this is not any sort of it's not meant to be offending. It's literally like I'm not wasting your time. I don't want my time to be wasted on a project that I can't really do a great job and not feel that great about. There is yep. a person who is gonna be much better at this and who will get a lot out of it, and you will get a lot more out of that person. So let's just all like be practical about this. Yeah. And you go, you'll go ask Patrick B. Johnson about getting your non-scrolly website up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so when you left Swissmas, I say, I'm sorry, when you left Taffy, um, where, what did you do? Where did you go? Cause you gave her like a three month notice. So did you have a job lined up in three months or were you just like, I'm, I think in three months I'll be ready to move on. Um, I think I had given a three-month... I did give a three-month notice partially because I knew that the knowledge transfer and the tra- the transitioning me out would take time. I think mm-hmm. Tina was... I also wanted the three months to feel less guilty about trying to find my next job. Sure. But I, I never actually got around to actually looking for work while I was still looking at working at Tally because I felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. And then, um, so I left on, I left in September of 2014 and then, um, I kind of went on like a, a self finding trip. 
Nothing like what my boyfriend Kevin did. He like went on mm-hmm. a world trip for like three months. But I like went to San Francisco. Um, I went to my friend's wedding. Then I went to Japan for like a few weeks. Um, oh wow! I didn't know any of that. Yeah, it was. It was not. It wasn't like a. It wasn't nearly as like soul searching as one might expect. It was just me like relaxing and sort of getting my bearings and yeah. trying not to work too hard. I was doing a little bit of freelance here and there. Uh, just so I wouldn't be completely demolishing my savings account. And then um, at some point, I think before my last day, Tina was like, I was talking to uh, my friend Jesse Hertzberg, who was COO at Squarespace at the time, and he was just Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, yoga should apply to Squarespace. And I was just like, oh, oh, why didn't I think of that? I should totally apply to Squarespace. <laughs> Can you tell that I just like float through life sometimes? And like, that's nothing wrong with that. Those you probably have much more fun than the person who tries to detail every aspect. Yeah, it's weird because I am a floaty person, but I also love planning some things. Some things I hate planning, and some things I'm like, it would be great if this were a framework, and I can repeat it over and over again. Anyway, um, that and then so I, I was applying to. I ended up applying to Squarespace and a couple other companies and interviewing after I'd left Tatley. Um, and then when I got the offer from Squarespace and I took it, I was like, but wait, can I first go on a three week vacation to Japan? And they're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, well, it's the end of the year. You probably won't need to start until January anyway. I'm like, yes, but can I start mid January? And they're like, okay, (laughs) thanks Squarespace. Um, I was listening to a (laughs) podcast that Mike Montero did uh, a while back and he you know because he runs mule design or whatever he's like he said this he's like it's always interesting that new hires somehow always have a vacation right before they start yeah i think with a lot of people that i've talked to new hires especially in tech are kind of transitioning jobs because they sort of either outgrow their last position or mm-hmm. they they get some kind of, you know, work fatigue from their last job and they just need to like decompress for a vacation amount of time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it was, it was kind of the case with me, but it was also just like, I wasn't leaving Tally because I was stressed out. I just left because I was kind of ready to. And then, um, I just happened, I happened to have like six months between my last day and my first day during which I just kind of like did whatever I want. It was awesome. <laughs> which is, I mean, you know, I, I've always been an advocate for, a, you know, two weeks between jobs yeah. only because I think it's, I think it's a good, you, you took it even further, which I think is even better because not only did you get to clear your mind, you cleared your body, yeah. you, know, you cleared like spirity stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. philosophical kind of stuff. And you got ready for like, quote unquote, a new chapter. Um, and I feel the same way uh, at the very least. Take two weeks to just hang out in your underwear on your couch. And just do nothing because I've, uh, I, said this, uh, I said this to a family member once um, who was much younger and was entering, was entering their senior year. And I was like, look, your mom and dad both have great jobs, my aunt and, my aunt and uncles. Um, I was like, they make good money. Um, and they were uh, – her parents were divorced. I was like – and not – I was like – also considering that you see both of them not, you know, less time than you would if they were together. 
was like, they pay for all your shit. I was like, you're going to work. Cause my cousin was like really stoked about trying to get a job that summer. Cause all, all of, all of my cousin's friends had jobs and they wanted to get a job too. And I'm like, look, you're going to work for the rest of your life. Live off of your parents' money and just have a fucking good time. I was like, because when you do, when you graduate college and you go out and you get a job, you're not going to have three months to go fuck around with unless you do it yourself. And even then, you're not going to make any money. I was like, so take advantage of it now. And I, uh, I'm a, needless to say, that long ass story, I'm a firm believer of doing nothing and taking big breaks in between things because I don't know. I think, um, uh, all, all the people I've interviewed, we all seem lucky enough that we have a pretty good support system around us that won't let us fall too far. Um, so we can take those moments that we need to recharge. Yeah, I think it's also especially common among startup folks because there's a bit of a, not to say that this is something that is bad all the time, but I think a lot of people will leave a company because they experience a certain kind of a burnout. They just yep. need a little bit of a, it's just so high intensity. Yeah, and they're once exhausted. you're in once when you're in the environment, and then you leave, and you're just like you just need a couple of days to sort of get into a new mindset, working at a new company with a different with different set of values, maybe a different kind of working environment, just yeah. to reset yourself so you, you just start back at zero, so you can still be flexible once you work at your yeah. new job. It makes total sense. Yeah, um, and now you're at Squarespace and you're having fun. Yes. I've been at Squarespace for a little over a year now. It's been oh, really, wow. I know it went by so fast. Um, I, I got everything that I wanted out of Square, not, not in the way that I'm done, but like everything that I was hoping for in a new job, which is like yeah. a t- working in a team of designers at like a slightly bigger company, working on something that is a little more relevant to my interests, like web publishing or just sure. better, better designed web. Um, mm-hmm. It's just been really awesome. How many year. employees does Squarespace have? Like a, a ballpark number, obviously. I don't know that you know the exact number. Um, I believe the number is over 500. Squarespace oh my has, gosh. yeah, they have three offices um, around the world. So one is in New York and that's headquarters. And then there's a Portland office and then there's a Dublin office in Ireland. Oh, wow. I didn't know yeah. they were that big. Yeah, that's it's so for that 24 awesome. hour support, y'all. <laughs> I know. Um, and the kind of stuff that you work on, and basically what I mean is, are you is your role on the design team to like design the templates or the themes? How, I don't know what they, what they call them or are you working on a variety of things? Um, so it's been, I've been doing some uh, different things. There are, I guess if I were to boil it down to one word, it would be templates. Um, yeah, templates and all sorts of like peripheral projects around that there's there's definitely like a brand market a brand design team which sure. which handles the campaigns and all of the ads that you see and that's i i actually work more on the product yeah okay very mm-hmm. cool that's awesome um but then the other only question i have about squarespace is um how cool is their office and i ask that because i know that they're in soho and i know they're like i, I believe their entrance is on like a side street in soho like yes. it's not on broadway um, and I only, I only ever see the flag, like the Squarespace flag and like the entrance. And that's all I, that's all I know about the office space. Well, the office, I like the office a lot. Um, I think it has all of the, the perks of like a nice tech company, but it still sure. has a little bit of a startup feel. Um, this is uh, public knowledge, so I am allowed to say it, but Squarespace is moving its office. Um, oh, wow. Soon at some point this year. 
do you know where or can you say where or you just know that it's going to move? Uh, we, we know where it is. It's going to be in like Hudson Square, which is along Houston, but farther west. I, I don't know actually what that na- neighborhood is called. It's like between Greenwich and it's like along the one train on the west side, lower west side. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up now because, oh, it's off of Varick. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. Oh, fuck. Uh, depending on how far Dominique Ansel Bakery is over there. Well, it's right on the edge because mm-hmm. that's like the edge of Soho ish. I believe well, that that it starts at the edge of Soho. Yeah, someone brought that up when when we found out where the new office is going to be, and we were just like, <laughs> "Will the heads. lines be shorter then? <laughs> Maybe they might be. Probably. Um, well, that's cool. That's that's exciting. Yeah, it, um, we'll see. My commute will become a little more difficult, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, the flip side is that you could petition them to get an office at like uh, Freedom Tower area because then you could just, it's like one stop in demand. Well, one stop from Brooklyn. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like totally. Right there. It's like always the first stop. Um, all right, I might as so, well just ask for the office to be in my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> work um, so then there's, I've got like only three additional questions because I don't want to keep you too long. Okay. Um, the first of the three is you've got all this knowledge now. Right, um, that you've accumulated over the years uh, through experience, through good things, through bad things, etc. If you could jump in a time machine and go visit Yoko of the past, at any point in the past, to uh, divulge some advice or winning lottery numbers or whatever, hmm. uh, what, what would you tell Yoko <laughs> of the past? I'll be like Yoko, or young young Yoko. Oh, young Yoko, not like yeah. Yoko from maybe like three months ago. <laughs> three months. Well, Three months ago, I'll be like, these are the numbers to that crazy Powerball (laughs) jackpot. (laughs) Yeah, the billion-dollar jackpot. Yeah. Um, But seriously, I think – I feel like I navigate life, like, pretty well, but I just don't really have a lot of confidence in – well, like, at the time. So I wish – I I feel like I'm reaching a point of maturity where I am slowly – getting more confident in the way that I navigate the world, talk to people, handle sure. problems and that sort of thing. And I, I wish that at some point someone told me like, Hey, you can stop caring about a, B and C because X, Y, and Z is what's really going to matter. And you just need, you just, you're going to figure it out eventually. But if I tell you now, you can just like not worry about these other things and just focus on what's really important. Yeah. Um, yeah, but honestly, like I, if, if I came back in time and if someone like future version of me came back in time and told me that like, I'm fine, I would have trouble believing myself. (laughs) I think I need (laughs) someone like someone else to come back in time and be like, Yoko, you're going to be okay. You're doing a fine job. You just, you just need to be more confident. And I'll be like, okay. But if it were be, if it were me telling myself, I'd be like, yeah, do you really, I need someone. I wouldn't. I wouldn't believe myself. <laughs> there's a there's a he- healthy dose of skepticism. And yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I, um, would you? So th- then on to question two. Would you? Would you? Uh, what would you say to um, a person coming up, starting their career in design, if anything different? Hmm. I think there's okay. So one of my favorite Creative Mornings talks is by this guy, Larry Legend, 
who was a studio mate. Wait, hold on. Larry gave a creative mornings talk? Yeah, he gave a really quick one. He gave one a sh- uh, for Audience Takes the Stage, which is which happens at the end of the year. And it's like three or four audience members will do like a quicker talk um, rather oh than like God. one person. I didn't know Larry did a talk. Yeah, he it's did. So awesome. It's awesome. Basically, his talk... His was talking about, I mean, he's an iOS developer now, but he worked in the industry, uh, music industry. And his, the point of his talk was just like, people are more important than craft. And, um, it's just like, it's so much more important to maintain those relationships rather than getting better at what you do. Of course, it's important to develop your skill. And I personally think it's really important it's it's really easy to continue developing your skill if you if you have an active interest and you love learning about it. Like that's how I get better at anything is because I like to learn. Yeah. But no, the my favorite favorite quote is by Larry Legend, and he says, "The person who gets the gig is the person who can hang. No one hires you because you're the best musician." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah his back. You know, I think I might have to get him on the podcast now because I think he's got a pretty cool background. And Larry is such a nice guy. He's, he's so cool. He's really cool. He's got like a really quiet fire cool about him. He just like he does. He's like really chill in person. And then you're like, you used to make music with Wu Tang Clan. What? <laughs> <laughs> and what? for anybody who's who's when you when you see Larry, he is just like he's a sweetheart too. So when you hear that, you're like, wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, you should totally have him on the podcast. I will. Um, okay, and then the last question is the secret fun time question. Secret fun time question. You're the second person this season, so you have a song for that. Okay. <laughs> I think Dang that's it, a who's sign. the other one? <laughs> um, this uh, a designer named Yuna, Yuna Kravitz. Um, Let's she hang has a Yuna. Pod- <laughs> yeah, she has a podcast called Tools Day, and she sings the intro. It's a different like theme song. What? We, okay, yeah, I have yeah. to find out. Um, I'll put, I'll put that in the show notes too. Yes, please. You know, you know, really cool. Cool. Um, but so, you know, it's a question I ask to every guest and it has absolutely nothing to do with the show mm-hmm. I have to make it up on the spot. And I was thinking about it. Um, and I'll tell you where this question stems from. I'll tell you the question first, but then I'll tell you where it stems from. The question is going to be, if there's one song you could dance to for the rest of your life, only one song, what song would it be? So here's, uh. here's, yeah, <laughs> you see your face. Here's where this question stems from. I was, um, a while back and it's now it's a joke among friends uh i was on instagram and one of those little like meme accounts described it was like you know a son asked his father what's it what it's like to be married and the father responded with um imagine deleting all the songs except for one on your ipod and that's the only song you can listen to forever and that's how the dad <laughs> described marriage to his son which is terrible that is but, terrible it's so bad but then that made me think like wait a second one song Yoko used to dance. Is there like one song that you think you could continuously get jazzed about and dance to all the time? Not maybe not all the time, but you know, in in perpetuity. God, that's so hard. Uh, I feel like it would have to be a or song. Or we could say one artist, maybe too. And an artist could be a group. Beyonce. <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course. Wait, but this the original question is really interesting. I feel like I would want to find a song. I don't know what the song would be, but I would want it to be a song that I don't immediately figure out how to dance to. Like it would have to be something that I like slowly figure out like how to make. Okay, that's fair. How to like 
maybe it's like a classical song or something that I normally would not perceive as like something that I can immediately dance to. Because like something like that, I think I would get tired. Oh, either that or Justin Bieber is sorry. <laughs> really? A Justin Bieber song? Okay. Justin Bieber's new album is pretty fire. Is it? I can't uh, believe I what just said worth, that. I've never, I've never listened to a single Justin it's Bieber It's so catchy. Song. It's so catchy. It's so okay, good. That's fair. <laughs> um, the one song that I would say, and I'll send it to you. You have Spotify, right? Yes, I do. I, I think everybody does now since uh, RDO died. Sorry, RDO. Yeah. Um, it was a song I was listening to earlier, and it is called Ocean Drive. Mm-hmm. So I've got this thing for like 80s-ish synth music, like instrumentally shit. And I can I – lis- I listen to – there's also – I'm going to send you this. If you don't like it, feel free to throw this shit out. It's totally fine. <laughs> um, so I li- So the first link is by this group called Miami Nights 1984, um, and the song sounds exactly like the artist's name. And then the second link is a playlist of – all it, the playlist is called Outrun, and it's all this like eighty synth like cop chase music. I think I've I think I've heard of Miami Nights nineteen eighty four. Oh my god! It's... I instant dance party for me. I don't care where <laughs> the fuck I'm at. Well, because so what I've realized with my music, well, my music with the music that I like is that oftentimes it has a, uh, it like the story builds slowly and then it comes to. a a point where it like culminates and explodes, right? And then it's also like good time and then it goes up and, and then it like goes up and down thereafter. Um, so it like starts off slow, pretty mellow and then it explodes and then it's like mellow and explosion thereafter towards the end and that's like usually shit that I like. I don't like You'll, running but it sounds like it'd be good for running. Yeah, I think so. Um, cool. I think for like if you were to sprint in the middle of your run, it'd be good for that. For like circuit o- circuit running. Exactly. Um, oftentimes when I listen to like when I listen to this at work, I just actively dance at my desk. Cool. People think I'm a weirdo. Um, all right. So enough of that. Yoko, where can people find you to bother you online um, and stuff and I'm, say hello? And I am I have a lot of social network things. Most you can find me at P.S.Y.O.K.O. That's like my username for everything. That's like a yeah. On Twitter. Instagram, even though I don't post that much on Instagram. Snapchat, even though I don't post that much on Snapchat. Uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Twitter, at P-S-Y-O-K-O. That's, that's where you can find me. I also have a website, yoko.is. Oh, that was sorry. a really... I, I, I was looking at that the other day, and I was super... Di- I was like, stoked. I was like, oh, she got a dies. <laughs> it was so di- expensive. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're like 100 bucks a month. Uh, or I'm sorry, 100 bucks a year. Yeah, um, something like that. I, I bought it when I was drunk. It was just like... <laughs> So I, I bought it. I was, I was drunk. It was, I was at studio mates. I, I bought it on my phone. I like put my credit card information on the website, on my phone. And then I've lived with it since. So <laughs> I, there's, it's so fine. there's, there's a handful of IS domains that I really want to get. Mm-hmm. They're expensive. Yeah, I just haven't pulled the trigger. I'm okay with with the cost, right? Like, think about what it is to pay a hundred dollars for your ident, like for a home for your online identity. Yeah, in that sense, it's it doesn't. I I would not have regretted it, but it was just like uncharacteristic of me to just like make a drunk impulse buy on my phone of all places, especially a domain. So I bought, (laughs) I drunkenly bought a domain once, and it was two chaps, one stick. Uh, 
We all have but, those. We all have yeah. those like weird domain names. We'd be like, wouldn't it be so funny if we did blah 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 blah, and then yeah, not. and that's what happened. Oh god. <laughs> all right. Well, Yoko, uh, thank you for joining me on the show. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Have a good this day. This was fun. Same to you. Bye. Bye.